This is an AMI podcast. Hey, Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. The housing crisis continues to be front and center in Canada. More people are making the decision to gravitate towards multi-generational living situations. There's a lot of factors that go into making that decision, but it's not a new phenomenon. The topic is explored in the latest edition of Voices of the Walrus on AMI-audio. Don Dickinson is the content curator for that show. Hey, good morning, Don. Nice to chat with you once again. Hi, Dave. How are you? <laughs> I am excellent, Don. So the first article is titled, Just So You Know, I Love My Mother by Kevin Chong. <laughs> I think that's something I can get down with. Uh, by the way, Mom, I'm sorry that I missed your phone call yesterday. I'll call you back later today. Uh, she's listening right now, Don. Uh, Don, what's the history of multi-generational living? Well, um, they did a report, the United Nations did a report, and they said that basically it's very much the norm in a lot of, you know, a great deal of the world, right? I mean, people in Africa and Asia, Latin America, the Caribbean, um, scholars say that in the United States and in Britain, the nuclear family is a relatively new phenomenon, uh, as occurred as the industrial as industrialization came about um, because of the splintering of the households, you know, um, you know, the, the, the fathers and whatnot were, uh, were uh, going into the cities and what uh, away from the farms and in other places that shift never really occurred. So the UN found that over 90% of seniors live with families in, in, in a lot of the world places like Afghanistan and Pakistan and, and all the aforementioned uh, countries. So, you know, it's a real mix around the world about, as to multi-generational families. What are some of the key Canadian stats around multi-generational living? Well, in Canada, there are almost 442,000 uh, multi-generational households, according to the 2021 uh, census, uh, a number that has swollen, uh, no kidding, by about 50% uh, since uh, um, uh, 20, uh, 2001. The figure would increase further if we expanded the idea of multi-generational living to include families residing in adjacent properties, mm. you know, places like laneway homes and whatnot. Uh, a lot of the... Um, you know, you, you you hear a lot about uh, nowadays uh, because, of course, the government is allowing it. Right? Is they the, these uh, you know grandparent little homes and and whatnot built being mm-hmm. built on larger mm-hmm. sites? You know, so that families are, can be closer. But they're not sitting in each other's lap, you know. <laughs> yeah, that would that would get a little bit a little bit tight. Uh, Don, I know there are a bunch of different factors that play into this, but why? Is that number on the increase in the last 21, 22 years in Canada? Well, there's a number of factors, Dave. Um, Obviously, uh, an aging population is one of them. Uh, And rising life expectancy, uh, increasing house costs. I mean, that's a a huge one. Oh, yeah. Uh, Oh, boy. (laughs) You know. 
everybody kind of uh, deciding that it's much better to share a home and uh, shifts in the country's cultural composition. Uh, Multi-general households are more uh, likely to be found among immigrants and indigenous communities. And, you know, so you've got all of those factors coming into play. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, you know, let's face it, it's just a cheaper way of living. You know, Dawn, there's something beautiful about it, though, right? Put it, keeping families closer together. I was so lucky growing up that most of my family, like most of my family, not everybody, but most of my immediate family lived within about a three or four kilometer walk of each other. And, and, that, and that's like the far reaches of the distance between us. And that's not quite multi-generational living, but now I think about the situation where I'm at now, if there was ever a time where I needed to maybe get into a triplex or a duplex or a semi-detached situation to be with my parents as they age, like there's something beautiful about that, getting to spend time with your family. And if it can lower your cost of living, that's just an added bonus. Oh, yeah. But, you know, as the title suggests, uh, just so you know, I love my mother, which I thought was adorable by, <laughs> yeah. by Kevin Wong. Uh, they, um, there are many challenges, Dave, many challenges, you know, because especially with those children that have gone out on their own, shouldn't even say children, I mean, young adults, right, that have gone out on their own and made their own way and become independent of their parents. And then, of course, the situation uh, makes it such that they have to move back home. So the, the reason why he says, just so you know, I love my mother, is that he, in his particular case, it was very challenging, um, you know, getting back into the household and taking on that role again. He said he instantly felt like he was 14. You know? Yeah, yeah. Mm, that's that's a... <laughs> That's a good point too. I, I I will I will tell you this. During the early days of the pandemic, my parents were asking me to come back and move in with them in Ottawa. They're like, "You're lonely in Toronto. Come live in our basement." And I was like, "Hard pass, hard pass. No, that's not happening. That's <laughs> not have. I love you guys dearly, but I'm not going to go live in your basement. Uh, you will make me go bonkers, and I will make you go bonkers. Uh, so let, let's wait till you age out a little bit further. <laughs> hey, Don, yeah. let's let, let's move let's move off of housing for a second and talk about a Real, this next article, I, I I said, oh, I'm going to give it a little peruse before I talk to Don. And then I read the whole thing, like syllable for syllable, word for word. It was so interesting to me. The next article spins a tale about the Canadian record chain Sunrise Records. It explores how the chain has managed to hold on as the music and fiddle, physical media industry has just like gone through an avalanche of change. So the article's called Still Spinning by Richard Trapunsky. So I I don't think this first question is necessary what led to the demise of physical media. We know it's streaming, it's digital. But what I think is so interesting from the article is how did this chain succeed while HMV and Future Shop and all these other companies were falling apart? Well, it it was an extremely interesting article, and the uh, and the author states that the reason uh, Sunrise has thrived was HMV um, kind of lost track of its core product. You know, uh, they started going into oh well, like a lot of uh, uh, stores do, they started diversifying. They were focusing on small housewares and blankets and other lifestyle products. Um, records are. Hardly the thing. For, uh, well, basically, what they did was they they went into other areas that weren't related. Now, uh, he does state in the article uh, that 
records are hardly the thing that is not uh, just exclusive to Sunrise because they do, in fact, do other stuff. They do toys and they do posters and T-shirts and whatnot, but it's all somehow um, tied in with the product. Yes. So basically, they've, they've, they've focused on the product uh, very much so, albums, uh, you know, physical media. And uh, yeah, they just, and right now, you know, as we all know, surprisingly, there's a huge boom in vinyl. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. There, there's a huge boom in vinyl. There's a boom in CDs. People still want physical media. Like there, There's still an appetite for it, whether it's at the collector level or even just the recreational level as well. Dawn, I love what you're talking about there, though. And this is one of the most important business lessons that I was ever taught. And it's the idea of a core identity of a business. If you are a record and music store or a music, a music store that, that is, that's trying to sell music to people, yes, you can play around with toys and T-shirts and posters, but it better be part of your core identity. You go to Sunrise Record to love music and buy music, not blankets and weirdnesses and all this stuff. You go to love music. And I'll never forget this example that was cited to me about Southwest Airlines, the low-cost American uh, air carrier, where a couple of years ago, uh, this anecdote's about 15 years, old, uh, 15 years old now, they're having a huge board meeting, and they come back with this customer survey data. And the customer survey data says, hey, people on, on, on Southwest Airlines flights would really like a complimentary meal served to them on flights over 90 minutes. And and this and then you know one of the one of the uh, VPs goes and you know we can provide that at five dollars extra per ticket, and everyone in the room says oh only five dollars extra that's not too bad customers will pay that and the CEO bangs his hand on the table I'm going to bang my hand on my table, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen, Southwest Airlines' core identity and value is we sell the lowest cost airline ticket. And it does not matter if this price increase is only $5. Does that make us the lowest cost airline ticket? It does not. So customers might tell you they want this. But what we want and what we are is to be the lowest cost carrier possible. And again, you might say, oh, I would love that free meal as well. But it's a reminder about core identity of a business. It, it, it's so critical to what makes a business or a TV show or a radio show or a service, whatever you do, you have to know your core identity. Yeah, absolutely, Dave. You hit it on the head. That's, uh, you know, that's why they succeeded, you know, in a time, time when everyone else failed. But, but there's, there is also a personal side to this story because Doug Putman is one of the characters who's put forward in this article. What did he do to save Sunrise Records? Well, <laughs> it was a long uh, process. Um, Sunrise uh, was, in fact, almost swept away uh, after it's closed its flagship store on Young Street. Do you remember Sunrise, by the no, way? No, no, Montrealer over here, Don. I, uh, oh, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, no, sorry. Yeah, I do. Um, it was purchased by a then 30-year-old uh, businessman, as you said, Doug Putman, a music fan. Uh, Putman still saw life in the chain, and then he expanded operations across Canada. Okay, so that was uh, the year uh, Sunrise's one-time rival HMV Canada entered receivership. 
Okay, so this is just a matter of really good timing and announced its plans to close its stores across the country. Putman swooped in, good man that he was, and brought leases for 70 of those HMV outposts, all of them in malls, and converted them to Sunrise. Um, so basically it was, you know, he, he, he was just one of those visionaries that thought, no, this is not a dead industry. This still has life in it. And then he proceeded to expand on it, you know? So oh, good for him. It's so smart. It's so smart. People already knew that was where you were supposed to go to buy music. So just keep it there. Whether it's, whether it's called Sunrise or HMV, people still want to buy those sweet, sweet records. Hey, Don, these articles were fantastic. Like, really, really great edition of Voices of the Walrus. Thank you for a preview. I know I kept you over a little bit today because I just love these articles so much. Have a lovely day, lovely weekend. Talk to you next week. Okay, you too, Dave. Bye-bye. That's Don Dickinson, content curator of Voices of the Walrus. You can catch the show daily at 11 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-audio. Coming up next, switching to the world of academia. What can students do to manage their stress during finals? Elizabeth Moeller is a longtime academic who can offer up some tips. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Dave Brown here. If you enjoy this podcast portion of our show, remember you can watch it live every day at 9 a.m. Eastern time on AMI-tv. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.